All right, welcome back to another episode of Conversations with Jay. I got another special guest in the building, like always. I'm going to allow him to introduce himself. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Jimmy Sykes, a.k.a. Groove Nuke. Whatever you want to call me. Um, Yeah, I'm here with my boy, Everyday Jay. He finally got me on the show. I appreciate it. All right, Jimmy, let's start with, with where you from. Where I'm from, man, I'm from the um, south suburbs of Chicago, born and raised. Um, I've been out there my whole life, basically. You know, I stayed between um, Halston and Cicero my whole life. So um, I stayed at Chicago Heights, uh, Salk Village. Man, I've been a lot of places, bro. I moved. I moved about every year in my uh, childhood till I got to uh, Richton Park. Then I stayed at Richton Park about five years. Went to school, you know, then shoot, I'm back in the burbs. Now, for some reason, us, us city folk mm-hmm. think the suburb, suburbs is like sweet or something. Now, I know it to be different. You know, I know it's motherfuckers everywhere that's about certain type of shit. Yeah. So, was it difficult growing up in the suburbs? Bro, hell yes, bro. Hell yeah. Nah, I'm not. I can't even, can't even from my mood. Like, even when, like, you want to say, like, yeah, the suburban life sweet and stuff, like, it only take uh twenty minutes down uh what's called down what motherfucker I ninety four what the fuck right uh, to realize that it's really not you know like Chicago Heights bro like that's a historic uh that's a historic suburban area like uh Al Capone like you know what I'm talking about since Al Capone days like even now it's still Italians and stuff out there but right. they got a lot of history with drugs man corruption violence man just so much it's a, but yeah no nah, it ain't easy. Have you ever been to like a, a Chicago public school? Did you ever attend one? Attend one? No, I've been to football games at the most. So was when I uh, so how was it going to a, a suburb school? Do you feel like you had a a certain type of advantage that you didn't even know you had? Like was y'all getting like laptops and shit? Damn. Damn. Like, when we get laptops, well, you you trying to say like, was it like? Was was the suburban life like advantage? Like we had like more things. Yeah. Was it like a did did you have a step above? Because a lot of people say Chicago public schools uh, are this poorly one. managed and shit like that. So I'm assuming that the suburb schools are a little bit more managed well. Uh, not really, bro. Like it was up and down my whole life. Like for instance, like when I was in kindergarten, I went to a school called Wagner Elementary. I mean, we had a few nice things. It was a uh, Fairly integrated school in Salk Village, fairly integrated, but not really. I went through a lot of ups and downs. Like, uh, I know I went to uh, Beacon Hill Elementary in, like, first through second grade. And third grade was the uh, was the other school in the district, Mohawk. They had a lot of, um, you know, uh, Chicago Heights kids. And Chicago Heights ain't never had a fair advantage. Chicago, man, that's fairly like, it's like the city. I ain't going to lie to you. It's the like, same thing going out there. Same thing going in the city. Probably... It probably won't look like it because it's only one area. You know, in the city, everything is the city. You got just different neighborhoods. But compared just like one neighborhood to to out there, nah, we ain't have it. Then even from third to fourth grade, I went to the school called uh, Woodland in uh, Hazelcrest. I was in a uh, mobile. You know what I'm saying? I was in the actual mobile. It was so hot. That school was failing. Like, that school was literally failing. I, I vividly remember teachers helping us on tests they not supposed to help us on right i ain't saying they was helping me but they was, help, they was helping <laughs> us they was helping us on, on tests they should help us all so we could get better scores right you know what i'm saying and that school 
I don't even know how that school holding up no more. It probably ain't even there. But That's a lot crazy. of places, even not even schools, like a lot of places from like the areas I'm from, shut down. You know what I'm saying? Like areas shut down, hospitals, uh, you know, grocery stores, things of that nature. So the same disenfranchisement go on same going out there you know what I'm so was it a mostly black neighborhood that you lived in because mm-hmm. that's what it sound like yeah it was mostly black uh south village when i first stayed out there wasn't uh all mostly black but the second time i moved out there it got uh predominantly black but um you know even if it was mostly uh mostly black that was always my lifestyle you know what i'm saying like the first, uh, I only really uh, people of different color that I encountered was like my neighbors. I had Mexican neighbors with a lot of dogs. Uh, <laughs> I know when I moved to uh, move to Hazelcrest, that's when I got a little more integrated. But the only, uh, the only um, like, I want to say like mix of like black and white that I remember is just like uh, this one. This one white dude. He was a close friend to the family. Uh, white Craig, rest in peace, White Craig. But um, other than that, I never really. First time I ever like felt that I encountered uh like a white person. He asked me what the fuck was I looking at. That's crazy. Crazy, bro. I was on the porch with my brother. We stayed in uh this. I'm just bouncing around because I stayed in so many places, and this was like the following year of the time I'm talking about. But right. we we stayed in uh, South Holland, and that was like a middle class neighborhood for us. So we always jumped from like sometimes lower. Uh, to decent to middle you know what I'm saying middle was at the most but then he was just driving down the block in the pickup I'm talking to my brother on the porch he just he look at me shoot I'm just looking at the cars passing by he say what the beep you looking at man you know what I'm saying so shit I felt like what the fuck you know was that your have you ever experienced racism before that uh not really I felt like um I felt like I uh experienced like a lot of uh police issues before that but that might have been racism but i was kind of too young right. like i remember my first encounter with the police is uh i remember me and my mom i don't even remember what happened but uh me and my mom we was in front of like a burger king or something i, I just remember glitches because i wasn't number like four or five i just remember glitches and it was a burger king that burger king no longer there and then it was my uh it was one of my mom's uh it was my mom's close cousin that's my cousin too but that's like you know that's her real cousin my cousin pot uh we was in front of burger king somehow we ended up at the uh south village police station i was in a car with her she was um i just remember like what are we doing i remember we got to the cell i was crying i got arrested with both my parents i cried both times again before that uh it was like an instance uh it was a it was a big fight on the street or something on the street i stayed on then uh the police told my mom if she don't calm down they're gonna arrest her I was number five. I was standing right next. You know, I'm just a kid, so shoot, right. I'm I'm just seeing it. I was like, damn, why everything got to be so aggressive? I don't even think uh, both times that I was in putting the police car with my parents, it wasn't nothing that was that serious. You know what I'm saying? Mothers could have went home. That's how I feel. I know I've experienced racism one time mm-hmm. from uh from a non-police officer. What you happened? Feel me? I was at work. I was working at Comcast, and I was working in Beverly. You know where Beverly at? Yeah, I know where Beverly. I'm working in Beverly, and it was like a a long ass driveway, long ass, but it was a big ass apartment building. It was a long driveway, so I'm like, man, I'm not finna carry my ladder 200 plus yards to the back of this apartment complex. So I pulled my truck in, I parked in a parking spot, and I carried my ladder to the 
the rest of the way probably was like 15, 20 feet. Mm-hmm. So uh, this white dude, he was a young white dude too. He came out. He was like, man, this parking is only for people that live here. Right. Mind you, it's like nine in the morning. Right. Ain't no cars in the parking lot, bro. It's like 300 parking spaces in this parking lot. And he like, man, you can't park right there. So I'm like, what? I'm like, what's hella parking spots? I'm definitely finna park right here. I'm not carrying my ladder. And he, his exact words was, I see why they call y'all lazy. So in my head, I'm sitting there like, bro, I'm I'm literally at work. You feel me? I'm working. What the fuck are you talking about? So uh, me and him went back and forth. And in our back and forth, he he said that he was at his girlfriend's apartment in his girlfriend's car. So I'm like, bro, I got my own car. I got my own crib. Like, obviously, we not even on the same level. Exactly, like, bro. why are you coming at me? Exactly. That'd be the crazy shit to me. Like, that wasn't it, though. That wasn't it. What else happened? My man's left. You feel me? So when he left, I finished my job. Probably took me like 45 minutes. Uh-huh. And I came back to my truck, and he left something on my window. Wow. And it was called the scab. You feel me? So it was like something he went and printed out, bro, and put it on my, um, basically calling black people the scab of America. So, you feel me? That, damn, that shit sound that shit sound borderline intense. What is that? That sounded like something to get you whooped. Bro, it would have. I, I didn't see him put it back on there. So like me? can it come off your windshield? Nah, so it was a piece of paper. So okay. he just printed something out and left it under my uh windshield wipers. Oh, okay. You feel me? But I was highly offended because oh, yeah. if he was dead, then he definitely would have got his ass whooped. Because oh, yeah. he was pushing for it. Mm-hmm. But mind you, I'm at work. And if I do something to him, I'm definitely losing my job. Definitely, bro. Yeah, I definitely feel that. And you gotta, you know what I'm saying? You gotta represent your company in a positive way and that's fuck that shit. I know, I know <laughs> that I know it's fuck that shit. But man, that shit that'd be the crazy shit to me, like Sometimes it's like you. I, I don't get how something so freely can just roll off your lips. Like yeah. I see why they call y'all lazy. What, bro? That shit that would blew me. Boy, that would have blew me. I no, no, I'm lying. That's the that was the first time that okay. it happened. Uh-huh. It happened a second time. I was in. I was by um, Forest City, mm-hmm. and I was working in these people's house, still working at Comcast and shit. So uh, this was the time after this happened. I told Comcast like. Either y'all going to move me from over here or something going to happen. Right. And I was in this white family house. It was full family, you feel me? And one of the kids kept playing with me, you know what I'm saying? So I'm talking to the little boy, playing with the little boy and everything. So the granddaddy was like, you better get away from Obama before he take you. So in the moment, in the moment, I'm like... Damn, did he just say that? He like, did he really Obama. say that? You feel? I don't even fuck with Obama like that. You feel me? <laughs> I'm like, damn, did he say that? And his daughter was like, Dad, like, what are you doing? Like, trying to turn up on the daddy and shit. Man, I got the fuck up out of there. Damn, bro. It be crazy. I remember, and then it was just like, racism is crazy. Because, like, when I was younger, it was easier to brush it off. Because, like, I'll go right back into my, you know what I'm saying, my environment where, I ain't necessarily got to experience that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's easier. You know what I'm saying? I know we got our own issues as a color, but it's so it's so much easier for me just personally to accept that versus, like, you know, you go to a, uh, you go anywhere, like a gas station or something, you know. Uh, you know, must be hot at the gas station, want to uh, check it out real quick, give you a quick whoop the bam. Sometimes you you just go up out your way. You know what I'm talking about? You know, I could say, uh, I could say that in so many less words, but you know exactly yeah. what I mean. Yeah, so it's so much easier to take that versus you get messed on for no, uh, messed with for no reason by another race. Like for instance, being in school, it seemed like it wasn't necessarily you no know, ducking that. 
you know, like, I had so many racial issues. I remember one time I was just swimming in the pool, like, after class. I got out of class, like, 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock. So I get out of class. I go to the pool. It's this dude. He in his whole other lane, like, just swimming. Like, I guess he he doing the laps and all that. He going to the deep end. I'm just chilling. I'm shooting. White dude? Yeah, white dude. I'm just chilling, shooting baskets in the water. Boom. So I go to the other end because, shoot, it's like, the pool like a full court, you know what right. I'm saying? So I go, to, I pass his end. Olympic size pool. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Then I go to the other end, like I run the full, just lay it up. Then he say something like, "Move." I'm, I move. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm gonna let that, uh, I'm gonna let that slide for a minute. Then he come back, he come back and um and say it again. Then I'm like, what? Then he says something like, uh, maybe you want to get up out the pool. I'm like, if, if I get up out the pool, you're going to have to meet me out. You know what I'm saying? Not even just on, on no tough shit, just on some fair respect. You know, because right. I'm minding my business in this pool. Right. That's right. what I'm saying. Like, it's so much easier to to get past the initial conflict point and go about your way than versus somebody that ain't going to let you mind your business. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times when you in a lot of racial situations, people ain't going to let you... uh mind your business you know right. and i felt i felt like that i was going through that a lot in school like like i felt like even at my apartment complex it was certain situations like that i used to just shake it off and go in my house that's the only way i could mind my business go in my house you can't come behind my doors but like even just with the police on campus just the, uh the police that took my license and stuff like that it was just they wouldn't mind their business how how you putting me over for a seatbelt i got on facts you know, mind your business. You know? <laughs> so that's just how I feel about it. So even with uh, even with all that, man, it's ultimately it'll get pushed to the side. But, like, for right there, it's just, like, the initial point of it, it just make you, you know what I'm saying, make you want to react like that. It's just, And I can go so so much on about the racism, but that ain't really what, that ain't really what everything all about, you know. That's about prospering through that, you know. Yeah, it's even amazing that, how we always got to, be the bigger people it be always the bigger man be always. the bigger woman it's just weird so let me get into at what point did you start writing what point i started writing it's crazy i was like um i was like 10 bro but like the first thing i remember writing uh it was around like valentine's day fourth grade i wasn't a legit writer yet but i was just sure sound like somebody wrote them a poem I definitely wrote <laughs> definitely wrote a poem for this girl in my fourth grade class uh her name i forgot her name did it work did it work yeah, i mean for for the reaction it worked she got she gave me a good reaction she just couldn't handle it you know what i'm saying right. like she blushed so hard she ran out the class and <laughs> all her uh all her friends was like oh stuff like that she couldn't take it. we was young you know what i'm saying right. i was like nine years i was nine years old in the fourth grade but legit though uh i would say i would say uh 10 the next year following year i moved to, um i moved to south holland and then like uh the fourth grade was when i really got into like wrestling for real so really i gotta thank wrestling for helping me write because like it was so interesting and then i remember i had a, i had so many friends that like wrestling they was hispanic friends you know so we used to go over there i used to go over their house for uh monday night raw raw uh friday night Smackdown. i don't think people understand how legit now wrestling you know it ain't well i'm pretty sure it's still big but yeah. when we were shorties we believed it yeah believed it bro. we was thinking people getting hurt for real believed it bro so it's just we used to go over there we used to wrestle on the trampoline we used to have ladder matches on the trampoline put right. the, uh put the belt on top of the little cords we could yank at tables letters yeah, and chairs all that bro we used to, <laughs> man, do all that but then i got so interested in that and then i would say uh my hispanic friends 
you know, they wasn't um they wasn't fully comprehensive in English just yet. They could talk, you know, they could talk English, but as far as the comprehension. Right. So like for as a thing for me with writing, I tried to make them comprehend it more and I used to know that they like wrestling. So like I remember I had a, a Mexican friend in the uh wheelchair and stuff. We used to talk wrestling all the time. And uh and then like at a point in time, I'm just like, all right, I'm, I'm going to start writing. So then I just start writing about, like, Triple H and stuff. I wrote about Triple H. Like, this was early internet, so I'm going on Wikipedia looking up their bio and everything because I know the wrestlers and stuff. But, like, when I first got into wrestling, it was like it was like Eddie Guerrero and uh, Batista, Triple H, all them hot. Like, I was watching it when I was younger, and I liked the Hardy Brothers and stuff, but I was only, like, four, five, six, watching the games, playing the games. You know what I'm saying? Playing the games, watching uh watching uh my older brothers and everything play the game and stuff, talk about it. All right. But like it got to a point I just wanted to write about it. So I used to write little booklets, like little booklets on paper, on print paper and stuff. Like I used to call it uh Triple H biography. Just write it, let my friends read it, they like it, they keep it, they give it back however much. All right. But I used to do all that, bro. Like I used to write, then I used to uh I used to even make memes in like the fourth or fifth grade. Like early memes and stuff. I used to print them out in class, they used to get me in trouble. All that just so you was ahead of the curve, uh huh. On all that, bro. Like, I used to be on the internet so early, that's what really got me into it, though. Internet, then, um, my first official writing was like when I was in the eighth grade. I wrote a um, I wrote an essay about like environmental protection or something, right? Then that got me and a bunch of other classmates, uh, mayor for the day. We was mayor of South Village for a day. I still got the plaque in my room. And that's crazy. It was cool, bro. It was actually it was actually cool. It's published in the archives. I know they got a lot of papers in there, but if I ever wanted to see it again, I can go to either my uh junior high archives or I can go to the uh to the actual village hall archive. But yeah, we passed like a mock law. They gave us a tour of town hall and stuff like that. It was like an actual live action uh mock uh bill passing. I forgot what bill it was. It was just like a mock, like an old bill they already passed. They just gave it to us to reenact it. Right. I forgot my actual position though that day. I wasn't the actual mayor, but they just called it mayor of a day because we was all overseeing the city for that one day. Right. So was it at that point that you was like, damn, this writing shit could take me places? Definitely. I definitely for real at that point. Then it's like, then like music was a big translation into that too because I used to listen to music all the time. I just remember being in my pops room. He had a speaker, man. He used to play Maxwell. He used to play. Uh, he used to play uh, Juvenile. He loves some Juvenile. Uh, just everybody, bro. Master P, Jenny uh, Wine. Just everybody, just playing it. Then like he had a case of albums. Now I used to pull out the album uh, covers and read. You know, he used to have the lyrics and all that. And then, then that's around the time. Then around the time CDs was hot. Then around the time Kanye West came. That like that like lifted me up some more because before I before I wanted to write I knew I wanted to write, right. but the thing I wanted to actually push for a career was an astronaut. You know what I'm saying? So like at a point in time, writing got a little more serious than wanting to be an astronaut because I'm like, how far though? How far is that dream uh, versus actually picking up a pen and letting this pen take me where I want to go? Right. So like around that time. Yeah, eighth grade was when I got my first journal, and I remember journaling there thing. I still got my first journal because I'm the type of dude I keep time capsules, all that, bro. So I keep I keep everything in this one big box of of, of things around that time. Because even if I don't remember the actual days, at least I got these things for these moments. You know right. what I'm saying? So yeah, that was around the time. Then high school, um, high school, we didn't have that many opportunities to write. 
And that was like, I think, I forgot where that uh, actual essay from junior high came from. I don't know if that was through an English class or not. But in high school, the only thing you had was yearbook. And I wasn't really into yearbook. I was playing football. So, But in my back of my mind, I knew I was going to school for that. Like, I knew I wanted to um, actually uh, learn more about writing, get my opportunity to learn more about writing. But at a point in time, I didn't even see myself going to school because, like, realistically you got to have some money to go to school you know what i'm saying so it was like i was at a crossroads of the stuff i remember doing uh i took the air force asvab and all that i was i was like this close to going to the air force bro and then like i just remember being in the kitchen with my mama like like dang how how i'm gonna go to school you know what i'm saying and she was getting a little um she was getting a little emotional about the situation because she know she know what's left if you ain't got no actual uh no path. Yeah, no path for it. And she know I ain't that type of dude to uh to not pursue what I want. And she know I actually wanted this. So this was a little crushing blow. You know, not necessarily. I didn't necessarily go to school to be on your local 9 o'clock news as a journalist. You know, I actually wanted to get behind the actual concept of journalism. You know what I'm saying? And that ain't no offense to anybody who went to school for it. Because I feel like somewhere down the line that's something i can even see myself doing one of these days you know if you keep your outlets open you know so it was just i wanted that's what i wanted to do i wanted to make everything an outlet of journalism you know because this path that i traveled on it wasn't it wasn't necessarily like you know you got some schools man they got their own media team already some high schools got pi team some high school got broadcasting for game they let high schoolers do that like and advanced opportunities, not just like first come first serve opportunities. I'm talking about actual broadcasting classes, you yeah. know, preparing students for this. You know, real schools, exactly, real schools, real performing arts, all, all right. that. You know, bro. So just like I was just at a point, I was tired of being a disenfranchised writer. I wanna, I wanna change something. You know what I'm saying? I wanna actually change because you can just pick up a pen and write some words, and like not nothing happen. You know what I'm saying? I wanna actually put something behind that i want an opportunity for the person behind me picking up a pen want to write and make something happen out of it in a place where they know they can't like you you want to do it but sometimes you just know you can't and i just want to delete that word can't you know what i'm saying to actually do it that's how that's how i came about writing that's something i teach my kids man I, every time i hit them say they can't do something Mm-hmm. I automatically get on their ass Like don't ever say that shit Yeah my dad used to always say Ken is not in a man's vocabulary Facts. And even when he used to tell me that though When I say I, what a, uh, you can't That means because of limited opportunities Sometimes we got to be realistic Like everybody ain't going to have the same route And everybody ain't going to uh, go do your path The way you did it Or go through this path like how you did it So just to make things a little more Able to grasp You know what I'm saying Like Like I tried before the pandemic started. I tried to work with my uh my local library, uh about uh, opportunities something like that. You know what I'm saying? Get get students training for writing, actually knowing what writing is, journalism is before they actually do this. Cause I remember my first journalism class. I didn't know what journalism is. I just went to class off a of, off pen and pencil. You know what I'm saying? That's that's my own GP going to class, pen and pencil. That's all I knew. All right. And then I had a slow game of catching up. You know you had. Like I said, you had uh, people already coming in knew this is what they wanted. I just knew I just wanted to write. I didn't know like how how would I be able to get there and how would I be set for these classes. I ain't know nothing about that. So let me ask you: once you made it to college, did because at that point 
going into college, you never really had a real writing class other than like English, right? Right, yeah, only English. So was that learning curve hard for you? Like you, you saying, actually, to translate over? Yeah, to the college style or college level of writing. Uh, For English it wasn't, but for the other classes, yeah. Because like, you know, you still need it. Even with writing, you still need because speech classes is important. That's another class I'm talking about, like, that you need speech. Like, right. you need a speech class. Like, before I got a D in my speech class because I wasn't prepared. You know what I'm saying? I did a good on all my, on all my uh, what's called, I, I know I got potential to uh, capture attention. You know what I'm saying? But you need, you need this to be a certain way. You need your words to be trained a certain way. All this is just training. So, yeah, that learning curve was hard, like, they gave me a lot of uh, a lot of English class. I had an English, I had a creative writing class, a theater class is another class that was needed. I took theater, and I when I when I took these classes, speech and theater, I didn't necessarily I wasn't interested until I seen how it helped me. You know right. what I'm saying? But if I came in that knowing that I took a theater class or I took something that'll prepare me for this college theater class, you know, I would have knocked it out because that's all the stuff I need. That's all stuff everybody needs to express themselves, really. You know what I'm saying? Facts. A lot of times we don't, we don't know the other intangibles that go with chasing our dream. Exactly, bro. There's so much that needs to be plugged in. You know what I'm saying? So much, man. Like, I remember, uh, shoot, I j even at school, they, they tell us from the jump, like, from my first, uh, it was intro to journalism, first class, they say somewhere down the line you will need a MacBook. <laughs> like, like bro i'm like i can't afford no macbook you know just what I'm a saying? macbook a macbook like a macbook bro then like I, it was seeming like because i knew i couldn't afford none of this stuff i ain't get no macbook to my senior year that's when i felt i could afford it because i had to work for it right. Shoot. you know what i'm saying i had to work after after my freshman year i had to work from that uh from that break for my first uh winter break all the way up until i graduated just to get the stuff prepared you know what i'm saying then my sister I tell her I need a laptop. She brought me a uh, she bought me a quick laptop off of eBay. It was only like twenty five dollars, but it was an O two, O three laptop. You know, and I just needed some type of resource. And like, yeah, I could have went to the library, but the library can only do so much. Like sometimes you got to grind past hours. Then once the library closed, you just in your dorm. You still got papers and stuff to type. Right. And the laptop was from O two, O three, but it did everything. It helped put everything that I'm I'm doing and I'm trying to do better today. You know what I'm saying? Like. Like starting my blog, I started my blog on that laptop. You know, I remember uh, the summer of 2016. That's when I started it. My uh, right to make it right blog on that laptop. It was a laptop. This mug was it was it was obsolete, but it, it started it. You know what I'm saying? It uh -huh. got me. It got me typing my papers. It got me uh, being on time with classes. That's uh, my papers online. Everything. You know, so it kept me in the rhythm. Versus me, like, damn, I ain't got none of this stuff. All I got is a library. You know what I'm saying? It helped me stay above water until I could actually get better and get a MacBook. Because, like I said, they told us right through the door, you need a MacBook, which you did. So, resources, man. All right, now, out of everything that you done wrote up until this point, what, to you, is your greatest piece of work? And we're going to put this, I'm going to put this link in the description so people could check it out. My greatest piece of work, I would say... It's this poem I wrote. It was called uh it's called My Brother. Uh because I remember um in twenty sixteen I ran a, a anonymous blog. Now I'm coming to catch out the bag now for those who know about it. But it was a <laughs> it was a blog called uh the Free Us twenty sixteen project. Uh I, I put it on uh WordPress. 
it's still up to this day. It's still up. But I was just, I remember going through that time zone. It's just like, it's just like missing so many people who was gone. Then like, that was my first time I felt like I wrote something where, yeah, I'm kind of talking about my story, but at the same time, I'm embodying what actually goes on in these actual feelings. Like this, uh, this uh, poem still hang on my wall today. I printed it out and you know, I designed it a little bit and I hang it on my wall, but that's my favorite piece. Like, it's just, it's just like, I had a, um, I had a brother. He's not really my blood brother, but he was a, uh, and when my mom was married, he's my, he's my mom's ex-husband's uh, cousin, but he grew up in a household with me. He ain't necessarily grow up like he spent so many years, but when I was growing up, he was there and he always treated me like a brother. You know what I'm saying? Then like, uh, his name was Boo, uh, James Bray. Rest in peace, James Bray. Um, my brother, he uh, he was at home one day. I want to say January '06, '07. He was at home with his family. Then he got he got a uh, shot through his door, and that's who I wanted to uh, base the story about. And he was just a good dude to me. He ain't never, uh, you know, when I was young, I used to be like a different type of dude. Like, you know, I was a sensitive kid a little bit and everything. And like, it was it just wasn't my time to grow up out of that. And like, well, other little other roughhousing and all the stuff you see little boys do. I ain't want to do none of that. I just want to play the game. You know what I'm talking about? That's what I knew. I knew games and shoot, stuff like that. So, like, I just remember him spending so much time playing the game with me, just get spending so much time giving me confidence, just spending so much time with me. You know, it used to be times we used to walk through the field, go to the family video. He will go rent me a Mario Party, stuff like that. Like, he used to just do – I got a real blood brother, too, and, like, just having both of them at the same time, it just it just shaped me for so much. Just just remembering their life, how it was growing up with them, watching them. You know, these like my real, you know what I'm saying? Real uh, older influences. You know, like you got your pops and everything, but it's different when you can call somebody a brother and really look up to them. Like yeah. they can't do you no harm. Like these really your brothers. At the end of the day, then I was only I was only ten when he passed, but I put so much into that, like just having him in thought and that writing. So. That's probably why that's my favorite piece. And it's still, I think I even still got that on my site, on Right to Make It Right. It's up under uh, under my pieces on Right to Make It Right, too. So. You definitely going to have to, you feel me, give me that link. Like oh, I yeah. say, I'm going to put it in the description. Because uh-huh. I remember, like, I for some reason, I was always good at writing, too. Like, I done fell off a lot. Right. But I, I never forget I had a, a African-American history teacher, and he was white. Mm-hmm. And this was, like, I'm still looking for this man to this day. His name was Mr. McIntyre. Right. And I'll never forget, I plagiarized the fuck out this paper. And he read it. He ain't even take long for him to read it. I'm pretty sure he just typed a couple words in on Google and the shit popped up uh-huh. or some shit. Because he was on it. Like, as soon as I turned that shit in, he was right on my ass. Right. He was like, man, like, the paper you turned in, it was good. But I think you could do better. Mm-hmm. And he was like, some of this don't even sound like your work, but I know you can do better than what you just turned in and right. shit. I'm like, man, that's my work, bro. I ain't, <laughs> nah, that's, ain't he was like, none of that. But he was like, man, if you want to turn this in, then cool, you could turn this in. But I know you could do better. Mm-hmm. You feel me? And it was just his words that stuck with me, always saying you could do better. Like, you ain't got to lie. You ain't got to cheat. You could just do your own shit, and that shit still going to be good as fuck. That's true. So shout out to Mr. McIntyre. I just had to tell that story. Yeah, take a real one, man. And that's the best thing about once you uh, actually developing your craft of writing, having somebody to, uh, you know, be behind you. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
I remember when I was in college and like I was finding my niche. This around the time I wrote uh my what I call my favorite piece, my brother. Um, around the time I wrote it, I was in creative writing classes. So then that's what really got me. I had a teacher name. I'ma just I think her name was Miss Calhoun. I'ma say Miss Calhoun because she got married and she changed her name. Then she had uh twins and that really and before then, before she uh before she got uh had her twins and everything, cause she was on maternal leave. But before then, she was just helping me so much, bro. Even even after she had the twins, but before the maternal leave, she just helped me so much developing my writing and everything, and just just actually being there. So having that piece that actually correct you, like, all right, this ain't how this supposed to go. Even if you wanted to go like that, you know what I'm saying? Having that piece, like, man, it's it's crucial, bro. It's crucial for the long run. All right, so you graduate from Western Illinois, right? Mm-hmm. And then you actually become a freelance writer, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at what point did you link with Illinois? Or was it a certain piece of work that stuck out to, to Biko that he reached out to? You? Uh, I linked with Illinois. I was still in school. This was uh, this was uh, my fourth year run, I think. This was the semester that I was supposed to graduate if uh, I wasn't a semester behind. I think I was I was a semester behind because I had dropped the class I I had dropped African American studies uh, so, but that's a long story that's another story but yeah it was uh like, man bro it was like I don't it's crazy how I got with Illinois because like I remember I seen an interview like on Illinois radio in like November of like 2017 that's how I first found out about Illinois but I don't remember the time period where I applied I actually actually went under this uh, to be a writer right. for Illinois but like. I just remember it was like February like 18th, 19th or something. Biko sent me an email, like send my profile information. I'm like, I'm like, hold on, I'm in it. <laughs> I'm like, it's time. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, damn, bro, I'm in it. Like, what like where do I go from here? Then he sent me like he then after I sent him all that in the bio and everything, he sent me like a tutorial or something. And I just remember the tutorial sounded so good, bro. I'm like, bro, ain't nobody ever helped me. Hey, nobody ever helped me uh with a walkthrough like this. Like right. he got he had an instructive voice. You know how Biko is and he very instructive on his move. I like I'm like, man, bro. Then he called me. Then I'm like, bro, you sound just like how you sound on the video. <laughs> I'm like, bro, you helping me like a lot, man. Like, even if this is my first time talking, you helping me. You know what I'm saying? Then like so it was like it was like February like twenty first, twenty second when I actually came along with Illinois. But like before then and before the actual email, I actually really, it was just like a whirlwind. You know what I'm saying? Then I just shoot. I'm here now. That's all I got to say about it. Like, and I just appreciate like how much he helped me, cause like digital writing and everything. And this is my first time actually writing about music. I did a few music posts on uh on my blog when I first started when I was on WordPress before I translated it to Squarespace, but like. After that, I kind of slowed down. That was like 2015. I slowed down, but I always listened to music. But right. like, for him to help me with music journalism and everything, that meant a lot. You know, this is a whole new avenue to me. You know what I'm saying? I had sports writing and everything, and and just regular blogging. But this is a whole new avenue. Then to mix it up and how it matched with how I already like music, it was it was man. It was like just putting on a shoe and it fit already. You know, so I just shoe just went on with that. All right, now, I know for me personally, it's easier for me to write when I'm inspired by some shit or right. when I when I personally connect or I feel a certain type of way about something. Yeah, are you the same way? Uh, 
yeah i feel like with me with writing yeah i gotta be inspired like but sometimes when i'm inspired that don't sometimes i don't even be having the energy at the same time like i'm like damn that inspired me but like sometimes i just let the thoughts in my head i ain't even finna sit here in front with you because it'd be a lot of moments that inspire me like i watch something i'm like yeah this is gonna be the thing that inspired me but it really it don't move me but what moves me like to actually get up and write is like going through something and like living like it's so much i was supposed to write about and i didn't because i actually got to live through it first you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying like i really got to live it and a lot of times i put the pen down because it was like i was writing my life at the same time like i was actually even even if i wasn't like even if i was just trying to write something off scratch this would turn into my life and a lot of times i felt like it is it'll scare me so i slow down and just live my life for a minute you know what i'm saying like i do something regular like ah man I play the game or something. I ain't writing. I'm I'm t- I'm taking time off the pen because this really this how my life turning out. Like man, I remember just writing about just so much and like my last semester of school, how I just went through so much like with um, anxiety and everything of of like just like being burnt out from being a full time student. Got to work uh, to pay bills and everything. Still got to write because even even before I became like a freelance writer i was still like doing little writing gigs like you know for students at school like writing helping writing their papers proofreading editing things like that but like i was just so exhausted then i was like when i was writing this my mind wasn't in the best space this is when i finally realized this so i'm just writing about things just like anything like a like a occurrence or something i see in my head or just things i see outside then i'm like i right, this uh this becoming repetitive and this becoming my reality you know what i'm saying it sounds deep but i promise you playing with words and stuff this shit like sorcery bro damn there so you really got to be careful of what energies you putting out make sure you in the right headspace for this right. you know what i'm talking about because like i was in such a negative headspace of just having so many anxieties of just being this being my last semester then during my last semester um before my last semester my grandmother passed so that that kind of that kind of threw me off then i'm recovering from that then when i'm finally feeling better about that uh my favorite artist dad mac miller you know what i'm saying so i just i was just flowing hair spaces all day and it might sound like yeah that could just be a rapper who passed but you know his his impact towards my life was just so much more than music you know what i'm saying like his words that he's saying in his music put me on visual display you know what i'm saying like damn life can life can sound good with a good soundtrack and he was like a soundtrack to my life you know what i'm saying and then i just remember just long nights of just like having anxiety having shivers bro like then i remember i had to go to the uh emergency room for the shit. then like they um they gave me like a fucking benadryl shot they treated me like a motherfucking tranquilized bull bro the uh the nurse put me on my fucking side put a motherfucking benadryl shot i'm then i'm just like that's at that moment that's when like my anxiety got seized like nah nah this, i ain't that fucked up now you right. know what i'm saying like this shit ain't that fucked up for me now to me to even feel like this you know what i'm saying then she treated me so bogus it wasn't the actual shot that had me feeling like that because the shot probably did something it was a treatment i'm telling you i'm coming here with anxieties and shit you telling me I'm probably high off some weed. That's crazy. Or something. I'm like, hell no, nah, I'm really, this shit really burning me. So I'm like, uh, I'm like, I don't need none of these prescriptions y'all trying to do to me. Let me, let me get my mind right for myself for what I'm really trying to do. So all, I'm saying all that to say, you really got to be in the right headspace for this shit or what's going to show. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I often look, I often look back at uh, the Illinois, I think it was the first anniversary of the Illinois radio, the one that just happened last year. Uh-huh. Uh, so, 
And that day, I think of that day a lot because uh, right before I came to the event, a fuse blew in my home. So I was just like, I was just like so blue. I remember my homie taking me home. My, then they were supposed to come out and fix it. They ain't come out and fix it. Then I just remember that, that shit just throwing me off. You know what I'm saying? Just throwing my whole day off. Then I'm like, damn, I still got the event to go to. And that's when uh, uh, Biko gave me the opportunity to do the little, uh, the little segment interviews. interviews. Yeah, the little interviews. And that was my first time actually being on camera to do an interview. You know what I'm saying? Like, that wasn't no practice. This was actually on go. So, like, I just just remember looking at myself in the camera that day and just, like, realizing, like, I'm not in the right headspace, but I'm trying so hard to make this shit work. You know what I'm saying? Because I was kind of pissed off from all what was going on with the lights and everything. I couldn't go home and actually see what the fuck going on in my crib. I got to go home, go to my brother's crib. And I got to go home, grab my clothes, go to my brother's crib, put them on. You know what right. I'm saying? And that day I'm coming from my brother's crib, so I'm already showered and shit. I go home, grab some more clothes to put on. I'm changing to my homie car. You know what I'm saying? So everything just on the fly. So you really got to be grounded for this shit. Or it's really like the inspiration to sound good. Like, yeah, but in my mental, how am I going to reciprocate this uh, this inspiration? You know what I'm saying? Because, like, you can, it could be people all around you popping off. You know what I'm saying? But you but you stuck. You know right. what I'm saying? But you stuck because you can't, you can't reciprocate this actual inspiration around you. Like, people... People uh, growing up doing big things because when I went to high school, a lot of people popped off. I went to I went to a school where uh, where Stardom was right next door. You know what I'm talking about? Like uh, I know there was a couple grades above me, but you had mugs like uh, Dreezy go to high school, go to my high school. Ari, you know what I'm saying? Uh, shoot, I had a Laquan Treadwell at Creek, so I'm seeing Super Stardom popping off all around me. Right. That's inspiring because. Man, they come from a place I come from. You know what same I'm saying? Same place. Same place. Same type of place. Same type of environment. People just living their life. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, what is going to take for me to live mine and do what I actually love to do? You know what I'm saying? Over over what I can make off of this. Like, like if I want to make something off writing, I can do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I put my mind to it. But if I don't got no mind to put to it, if I ain't in the right headspace, I'm, it's just going to be an opportunity that's just gonna come and go, you know. And there's been a lot of opportunities like that because I wasn't how I was supposed to be, you know what I'm saying? To actually grasp that, you know what I'm saying? So, inspiration it could be good, but I need the actual, I need the actual, I need the actual going of the situation. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So yeah. All right. So let me ask you, what does the future hold for Jimmy? What the future hold? I don't, man, bro. It's like that's that's another thing too. I it, I think like a lot. I think everything through with like a five or ten year, five or ten year. Uh, I lift the mic. I I think everything through with like a five or ten year plan. Like I knew when I graduated, I knew I wanted to be a um, I knew I wanted to get something started remotely, like get some popping off the land for me because I know like one day I want to have kids and I want to be in my actual, I want to be in my kids' life. You know what I'm saying? So like I ain't never seen myself being a traveling dad, and I know a lot of times with journalism. You got to travel, and I want to I wanna make it set up so the point where even if I do travel, it's going to be something good back home and something that I can ensure that I'm coming back home too. Right. So I want to I, – I shoot, I tried to make my brand off the land. So really for right now, I'm just focused on getting that going. Then after that, man, ain't no telling because it's like, shoot, my brand growing, then Illinois is growing tenfold over my brand. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm talking about growing tenfold. So like, shoot. Just how we sitting in this room talking this interview. I ain't never seen nothing like this go happen. You know right. what I'm saying? So really, it's always ain't no telling about the situation, you know? But like, sure, 
even like on a five or ten year scale, I would say like I wanna um I wanna write books, bro. Like I really wanna write books, but I gotta live I gotta live my moments through. I gotta live all my moments through to write about. Like I got three uh I I I be getting confused sometimes. I wanna say ISBNs numbers, the 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 little barcodes that you throw in your books. I got three of them on deck. I just gotta live out the experiences of writing my books first. So I was supposed to been writing. I was supposed to have them out before I was twenty one, but it's just so much to see in my you know what I'm saying? So much to see in my life. Like I just got I just got writing stored up, bro, like just of stuff that I can just put out right now and sound good, but I actually gotta live behind it because some of the stuff I live through already, but I ain't actually live it out. You know what I'm saying? So really I just I just play this game. I just try to live it out, bro. It's about durability. It's crazy because that you said you you got to live out before you, you actually put it out. Yeah. And I think that sometimes, shit, when that moment is that moment, you mm-hmm. know that moment exactly. is that moment. Exactly. And I, I think everything going to come together fully, like full circle, once that moment presents itself. And you're uh-huh. going to know when that moment presents itself because the shit just going to come to you. Exactly. It's just going to flow so easily. That's, that, that's exactly how I do it. It's like It's like... Like with the writing stored up It'll it sound good for a moment Then when I go back in the archives and look Like oh shit this is the shit that's really going on right now Let me let me go ahead and put it out for For the free or let me go ahead and develop it Like I'll give, give you an example Like for the first book I'm trying to drop It's something called uh, It's something called Steel War And at Steel War basically it's all about Everything that I just said about Like how you gotta be in the right mental space uh-huh. For it and like Steel War It's like Think of it like you just you just sitting still, and shoot, man, it's it's just a war going on in your mind. Like that's how sometimes I be feeling. Like sometimes shit, it's just like a war going on in my head, and like it's gonna be like a common, it's gonna be a common depiction of all these things. You know what I'm saying? Of all these different moments of, of how you can fight through it, persevere. And I know I got a lot of writings on that. So like once the time come to really develop it, and once I really live out this feeling that I'm talking about, and not actually dropping it. In that moment where I can't get this feeling how I want it to feel, that's when it's going to come out. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes it's best to live stuff out and, shoot, thank God for every day because, shoot, man, that's the key. You wake, you wake up, shoot, you got to live it out. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nothing promised. You got to live these moments out. All right, now, before we get out of here, you want to you wanna give any shout-outs to anybody? Any shout-outs, man? Shout-out, oh, first and foremost, I want to shout-out uh shout out god first and foremost i want to shout out god for the opportunity to to uh deliver me through everything that i'm talking about i know i only touch the surface on so much you know what i'm saying but shout out to him man shout out to my family for supporting me for uh for helping me through all these moments that i'm talking about because man family friends shout out to the illinois team for getting me through these moments because y'all don't even know how much of a part y'all play on me you know what i'm saying even though even though this can just be the music business man it's just it mean more than that to me because shit this writing you know what i'm talking about and this shit this shit all i knew from the jump you feel me so shit like i said only only other plan i had in this shit was to be an astronaut and shit that how far those dreams versus me getting actually closer to writing so man thank y'all first and foremost man from from Biko to Jones to Pretty Riot to J-Man to First Class, man, the Ruler, man, to everybody, man, to Mike D, everybody, bro. Thank y'all, for real. Y'all keep me up, man. My family, man. My friends, bro. Shout out my brothers, man. My girlfriend, everybody that keep me up, bro. Like, every, everything means a lot to me. 
know. But yeah, shout out, shout out the whole team. Everybody right. I just mentioned a part of my team. So appreciate y'all. All right, I like to say I uh, appreciate you for coming through, chopping father. it up with me. <laughs> Thank you, bro. Being so honest with me. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you for having me, man. Hopefully, it's a young journalist out there that has experienced some of the the, the pitfalls that you have mm-hmm. and can learn from your story. Most definitely, and understand that shit. One hundred percent of life is about perseverance. It is. You know what I'm saying? Get once you, it. And once you understand that, then. You start looking at life from a certain perspective and you understand that shit. Even though shit fucked up right now, it can only get better. Exactly. It can't get no worse. Exactly. That's real though. And like shoot, man, we gon' we gonna make it. Even even for the youngest behind me, shoot. It's just it's so much time with me to go. Like, I can't imagine what's uh what's next in these next ten years. I man, the way I be thinking sometimes shit, I could be somewhere building a fucking spaceship, bro. You man. know what I'm saying? Just intertwining. Intertwining right in with my earliest dreams. And that's the thing to it. Keep keep the youth. You know what I'm saying? Keep the youth. Find what you love to do, man. Wake up and do it every day. Even even if it don't bring what you want it to bring right now, keep imagining, man, it'll bring it. I promise you it will. Hey, and with that being said, this has been another conversation with Jay. For sure, man. Make sure y'all get in tune with Jay. He the man. Oh, my baby. For real. <laughs> hey, Ill Sound Radio coming up next, too. So y'all... Y'all already know, man. We're going we gonna to keep doing it big for y'all with Ill Sound Radio for sure. Facts.